in five, four, three, two, one. Obi Trice, real name, no gimmicks. Welcome back to that same old place that you laughed about. Guess who's back? Back, back, back again. Mike Rutherford's back. Mike Rutherford Show on the Big X Sports Radio. All right. All right. All right. We're back. Welcome, everybody. It's Wednesday, November 23rd. This is the Mike Rutherford Show here on 1450 AM, 961 FM, streaming all over the land. You know it better as the Big X. We are coming to you, as always, from the University of Louisville College of Business Studios. If you want to find out how it feels to get your MBA and feel like you're getting paid in the process, then visit business.louisville.edu for all your answers about that and everything else that the UofL College of Business can do for you. Back today in the saddle, congrats to the West Kentucky Hilltoppers claiming fifth place there in the, oh, I forgot the name of the tournament already, um, Paradise Jam, maybe? Sure, why not? Uh, they take down Tulane and Ron Hunter there in the fifth place game. Nice bounce back for them. After getting walloped a little bit there in their opening game against Akron, they come back and beat two pretty good teams on back-to-back days, taking out Illinois State yesterday and the Green Wave today. Tops now 5-1 and one on the season. That is pertinent to our interest here because, uh, of course, the Cards will be hosting Western Kentucky coming up next month, December 14th. That's a 9 o'clock tip on ESPN2. Will Louisville be 0-9 at that point in the season? We'll have to find out. That will be a topic for today's discussion. Uh, real quickly before, if you're wondering... Hey, Thanksgiving week, I know you said last Friday, schedule could get a little bit wonky. What's been going on? Wonky is one word. Yesterday was pretty straightforward. We weren't on the air because Louisville was playing basketball at 2.30. We now, of course, have the broadcast over on our sister station, 970 WGTK, and we don't want to compete with their post-game radio show. So if we would have come on the air, it would have been like a seven-minute show from 5.53 to 6 yesterday, which, you know, nobody wants that. Seven minutes could not have summed up my thoughts on Louisville's 32-point loss to Texas Tech yesterday, so why even bother? Monday was a little bit different. We I mentioned last week, Mary was out of town for work uh, Monday through Thursday. She was gone to Orlando for, for uh, a work conference in, in Florida. Got back Thursday. Everything was, was fine. Went out to dinner with friends on Friday. Had a great time. She starts feeling a little bit under the weather on Saturday. Sunday, she's like, yeah, it's okay. That night, she's bad. Wakes up Monday morning. She feels like death. Test for COVID. She tests positive. Great. Awesome. Wonderful. The kids both are, are not feeling great. I test negative. Um, and, you know, the, the first thought we have, I mean, I've obviously had my issues that I've talked about on the show for the last seven months or so. And I feel like I've finally turned a corner the last two months. Still a lot of stuff going on, but feeling better finally. And, of course, like this would be the thing that would reset it. But I've been somehow not affected by this. No symptoms. I've been feeling fine the last few days. I have been like just wearing a mask in my own house, just doing whatever I can, staying away from the family. Although you'd think like it wouldn't make much of a difference because, you know, I was in close quarters with Mary when she first got back, was close quarters with my kids the entire time. Um, sick brag, I've kissed my wife multiple times since she got back. No big deal. 
we kiss sometimes. I uh, have not gotten sick out of that. We, My parents who were babysitting on Friday, they did test positive. They've gotten sick from this. So we are just, Mary's ruining Thanksgivings all over the city is, is what's happening here. We, uh, we, we've canceled our plans for going to her hometown, we rotate Thanksgivings between my family and her family. Uh, we won't be going to Springfield, unfortunately, tomorrow for for her family. And then my parents, they host every single year. They had to cancel their plans. So just just ruining stuff all over the city. It's who we are. It's what we do. We have now, now made nice plans for a Cracker Barrel takeout, I believe, for, to, for tomorrow. Gary, well, you, you, you seemed enthusiastic about that, Gary. That's one of my favorite eating places, you know. You know, when you get older, it happens to you. You know, we looked up, you know, Thanksgiving, places that do Thanksgiving to go, yep. and that was like the number one response everywhere. So we're going to make that play tomorrow. It'll be an interesting Thanksgiving. I'll get to watch the entire Lions game, which I'm excited about. Uh, no problem there. And you know Paul's Fruit Market, which is next door to the radio station here. Yeah, they, they had a mini um, traffic jam when I came in today. I think they cook meals too. Oh. Well, you know, but you're going to Cracker Barrel. We we can we can hit up different places. We it can be a smorgasbord of local delicacies treating us to Thanksgiving dinner tomorrow. So you that'll need to get you a Cracker Barrel hat and start wearing it. We, we just may. I'm going to roll in there in sweats and like a cutoff tomorrow, picking up my food, ready to go. I, I can't wait. Uh, but so we, our, our week was kind of thrown for a loop there. So she's not feeling well on Monday. She's just positive. I'm still going to, you know, we're going to have a short show anyway because Western had a similar, I think they played at the same time on Monday as they did today. So around like 1.30, though, she's like, I, I can't get out of bed. Like she's, she's feeling the effects terribly. You know, we have two small children. They're screaming and being terrible. And so she's like, I'm, I'm sorry, I can't do this. So I had to, to tell, you know, I, I can't just leave her at home, unable to get out of bed, unable to stand up, taking care of a one-year-old and a three-year-old, not going to work. This is, I hope this isn't going to be the long haul like uh, like I had. That was that, that terrible. That was me, too. That's what I've been dealing with for uh, oh, since, yeah. since April. And it's been, it's been, I say this not lightly, it has been an absolute nightmare. It's been the, the, I mean, the, wor- the worst thing I've ever had to deal with. Um, it, and I feel like I've turned a coin the last two months. I've seen every doctor there's imaginable, have done some things that I think have started to help. And so, of course, like when this rears its head now, you're like, naturally, this is great. But so far, I've not tested positive. I'm hoping that this is, you know. Boy, what a year. First COVID and now UofL basketball. Now UofL basketball. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's all going. So the perfect transition there into what we're going to talk about today, which is mostly UofL basketball. We do have some notes on the football game on Saturday. We want to hear from you. This is our last, you know, we've been doing Weird Wednesday all football season. Weird Wednesday kind of takes a, a little bit of a step back when basketball is brought into the equation because, you know, you've got games going on. There's more to react to. The whole basis of Weird Wednesday is during football season, you've got Monday and Tuesday to react to the weekend slash hear from, you know, react to the press conferences, react to the injury news from Tuesday. And then Thursday, Friday, you're looking ahead to the weekend. Wednesday is just kind of smack in the middle there, which is your one time to get loose and, and take some off the beaten path questions. Now you you and Trevor are working on Friday, right? We are working on Friday. Yeah. We we should say that right off the bat here. Uh, we will be doing our show from Oxmoor Ford. It'll be normal hours, three to six on Friday. TK will be back. So is he coming back from Maui today? Yeah. That's <laughs> <laughs> what we didn't tell anybody. Trevor's been a, a secret yeah, agent in Maui. Maui. He's gonna come back with all the footage, all the, the the scoop, all he's been spying this entire time to get the real story. I saw him eating Arby sitting behind Paul Rogers yesterday on TV. He would. He's like, I'm not eating any of that fish. Never, never gonna happen. Give me a roast beef. I know he's gonna he's gonna bring back the real story of what's going on with this team. But in all seriousness, we will be on the air Friday. We will work on on the day after Thanksgiving because my goodness, we'll have uh, tonight's game to react to, and then more importantly, we'll have the battle for the Governor's Cup to preview. And you can only do so much of that today. We'll have our full on preview on Friday, three to six at that at Oxmoor Ford. Should be a good time. 
So keep keep that in mind when you're making your day after Thanksgiving plans. We want to hear from you today. Again, it's sort of we'll have a little bit of weird Wednesday stuff if you want to. There's plenty of actual sports to get to, but if you have a question that's a little bit off the beaten path, I'm sure we'll talk a little Thanksgiving and nonsense, things of that nature. Text us on the Thornton sex line at 502-414-1450. And a reminder, Thornton's is still doing their Refreshing Rewards uh, deal of the month, which is if you download that Refreshing Rewards app and become a new Refreshing Rewards member, they're going to hook you up with a free breakfast sandwich and a free drink of your choice. Uh, three, any, any one of the three breakfast uh, sandwiches that they have there at Thornton's, you can get that for free. And you could also get a fountain drink, coffee, tea, fizzy freeze, whatever you want. If you download that Refreshing Rewards app and become a new Refreshing Rewards member today. And then text us on the Thornton's text line at 502-414-1450. You guys have had thoughts saved up for a couple of days now. Let them out. It's time. Let's start with, uh, I wish I could start with the, the reaction of the NC State win over the weekend. Because I didn't get a chance to talk about it. We're on the air the last two days. But that would be a lot more fun. But let's let's be real. There's one story that's dominating the local landscape and which has kind of started to dominate the national landscape too, which just sucks. It's the, it, it's the worst part about playing in the Maui Invitational right now. The best part is, even with maybe better fields sometimes in this day and age, the Atlantis fields, is, is they've been great in recent years. This year we got the PK80 or whatever they're calling it, the PK Legacy, the PK, you know, two different PK tournaments. The Maui is still the one that is the most visible because all the games are on ESPN or ESPN2. They're on during the day when the better tournaments or the, the tournaments of equal status have not started yet. So everybody's watching these games, which is awesome when you're good at basketball. It's not so great when you're doing what Louisville is doing right now, which is being one of the worst teams in all of power conference basketball. Yesterday, we didn't even talk about Monday. I, mean, I, I don't have any lingering thoughts. The Arkansas game feels like a distant memory at this point, which is a good thing. But the Texas Tech game... Still fresh in everyone's minds because Louisville scores 38 points. The lowest point total for the program, according to Kelly Dickey, since I believe 1938. They have their largest halftime deficit, 32 to 13, since 1937. They get blasted by a Texas Tech team that honestly probably could have made it a little bit worse on them if they wanted to, 70 to 38. A Texas Tech team, which by the way is, is currently losing to Ohio State in the, the fifth place game, so that makes you feel good. I said this yesterday on Twitter, and I'll say it again for the show. I may have said this before at some point, but it's even more true now than it was then. I never thought I'd see a day where it got this bad. Regardless of the excuses, if this were a team that was banned from the postseason, if this were a team that were, like UK back in the early 90s, banned from playing on TV, if this were a program that was dealing with the death penalty, no scholarship players, no whatever, I never thought I'd see the day that it got this bad. That's where we are right now. 0-5 for the first time since the 1940-41 the, the team that started that went 2-14 that season when we were playing you know, YMCA and getting blasted by Center College. 0-5. Staring down a game against Cincinnati tonight, which we'll talk about more as the show goes on. Seventh place game in Maui against an old rival. The 100th meeting between Louisville and Cincinnati. If they don't win this one, you're going to be underdogs when you get home and you play a resurgent Maryland team, which, by the way, hired Kevin Willard, a guy that people laughed at being a candidate for the Louisville job and now has them 5-0 and coming off of a decisive win over Miami. We'll play them. We will play that Miami team after that. Then we'll play Florida State, who finally got a win the other day. 
Louisville probably going to be underdogs in all three of those games, which would put them at 0-9 going into a Western Kentucky home game. And then they'll get Florida and m finally. But the Texas Tech game yesterday, we know how much Chris, Chris Beard, the defense that he installed, which Mark Adams, the new head coach, follows, but no middle defense. He made that, that program's identity. We know how frustrating it is to go up against that for 40 minutes because we did it a couple of years ago when we were the number one team in the country, mind you, uh, and got beat by them 70-57 to 57 up there at Madison Square Garden. It is a relentless defense, and if you're not fully mentally prepared to deal with it for 40 minutes, it's going to eat you alive. And it was apparent in the first five minutes of yesterday's game that we weren't mentally prepared to deal with it. And I said it. I, I tweeted it out there. I said, the fact that we're showing this level of, of frustration this early says to me it's going to be a long afternoon because these dudes don't go away. They trap you when you try to go baseline. They come over to help when you try to drive to the middle. They do not let you get to the middle of the defense. We had no game plan for it. We had no ability to react to it once it started to get us frustrated. And we went at one point 10 minutes and 9 seconds without scoring a single point. 10 minutes and 9 seconds without scoring a single point. We had the quintessential sequence that we've seen from this team so far. I feel like we see it at least once every single game where they're playing hard, they're competing, which they've done at the beginning of the last two games. And they're on the verge of taking control of the game or at least seizing momentum for a brief moment in time. And it happened yesterday. It was 20-13. to 13. Texas Tech had outplayed us to this point, but we were still competing. We were still playing hard. And we make a gr- we have a great defensive trip. We keep the Davian Harmon, we keep him from taking an open shot. We have a great close out there. We force a turnover in the lane, and we're running on the other end. Getting out in transition, it's the best way to beat a really elite half-court defense like Texas Tech. Try to get some cheap points in transition. We run. Brandon Huntley-Hatfield seems to have a wide-open layup. Maybe gets a little bit of a nudge, but is has no body control. Blows the layup and blows it so badly that he's out of position to make a play on the other end. The ball clangs off the rim. We've got guys who aren't getting back, aren't hustling to make a play on, on defense and transition. Texas Tech gets a run out. They dunk. It starts a 24-2 run, which put the game away and started the, the national embarrassment, which was the next 25 minutes. This team, every time something like that goes wrong, the smallest thing, a little bit of adversity, they just have no ability to withstand that. And you can say it has something to do with the past. It has something to do with them getting used to losing. At some point, that has to change. I'm I'm not saying that having that mentality, being able to withstand a little bit of controversy, is going to suddenly make this a team that's you know five and zero good right now, or three and two good right now, or within striking distance of these good teams that we've played the last couple of days. But you can't just lie down and quit when something bad happens. And we've seen that time after time after time with this team. And yeah, is it on the players? Sure. Is it on the coaching staff? Sure. It's on everybody associated with this program. And they're just not doing it. It's just not changing. The game being on at 5 o'clock yesterday with a holiday week audience looking desperate for sports to watch, nothing else really on at that time, it led to Louisville receiving a healthy dose of national attention. And... I said this before we even made the trip to Maui. I was talk- we were talking about it on last week's radio show, how it's interesting to me that the national perception of the situation at Louisville right now seems to be far more dire than 
the local one. Now, the local one's changing. You can't get embarrassed the way that Louisville has the last two days and not have people who've been maybe a little bit more patient with the first three losses change their tone up a little bit. But there's still very much amongst some people in the media and certainly a segment of the fan base, this is not fine, but let's be patient here. We've still got the right guy. You guys are being ridiculous for being mad about this. What did you think was going to happen? And nationally, everybody's looking at this, and you saw a lot of it yesterday. We've been talked about on Pardon the Interruption now. We've been talked about on Around the Horn. Um, Every college basketball national site, every national podcast has had a little feature on Louisville, and it's all, oh, my God, how is it this bad? And it's a fair question because the IARP stuff does not excuse the way the roster looks right now, and the way the roster looks right now doesn't excuse the product on the court because there is more than enough talent on this team. It's not a, a, a talented roster compared to Louisville's historical standards. I'm not trying to say that. I'm simply saying it's not one that should be arguably the worst power conference team in America. It's not one that should be 0-3 against the seventh best team from the Sun Belt, the sixth best team from the Atlantic Sun, and the third best team from the Horizon League. And it's not one that should be absolutely hammered by Texas Tech and Arkansas. There's enough talent on this roster to be competitive in the last two games and to have been 3-0 and in the first three. And now this revisionist history from a lot of people saying, you know, Kenny Payne told you this was going to happen. No, he didn't. He said be patient. He didn't say it was going to be historically bad, which is exactly what it's been. It is historically bad. And be patient doesn't mean be patient to score 40 points in a game. It means we may not be tournament good this year. We may be in the NIT. We may be not good enough for the NIT. But by God, we're going to play hard. We're going to install this new culture. We're going to install our system. And we're going to compete like hell every time we take the floor. And this team doesn't do that. They don't. They compete for stretches. They competed like hell the first half against Arkansas, no question. And then, like I said, when things started to go a little bit wrong, it avalanched in the second half, and Arkansas ended up with more made dunks in that game than we had made field goals. They made more dunks than we made shots. And then yesterday, when they've got no initial answer for the no-middle defense against Texas Tech, they stopped trying to find answers. It's Ellis jacking up a long three. It's guys continuing to drive baseline right into where they want them to go, throwing cross-court passes that get picked off. It's not competing defensively. It's not competing on the glasses. And they get destroyed. Louisville, and you've probably seen the stat at this point, through five games, has 90 turnovers and 32 assists. And anybody who's followed college basketball or basketball at any level for some period of time knows you want to you want to be close to a two to one assist to turnover ratio. You don't want to be one to three, which is where Louisville is right now. The guys over at Heat Check College Basketball they found the stat. They went back and said it's the first time a power conference team through five games has ever had more than eighty turnovers and fewer than thirty five assists, and we've got ninety and thirty two. It's beyond bad right now, and I think that even the people. I mean, I, I preached patience going into the season during the summer when it was looking like the roster wasn't going to be more than it was at that time, which is exactly how it ended up playing out. I said, I'm, I'm not going to judge Kenny Payne by his first season here. It's not fair. He didn't have time to, to recruit an elite 2022 class. 
He struggled in the transfer portal, partially by his own fault, but there were there was a segment of the struggles in the, the transfer portal that definitely could be attributed to the IRP and negative recruiting from other schools and, and you know graduate transfers just not wanting to come here and play one season at a program that may or may not have been eligible for the NCAA tournament. So I said, this roster is not going to look like the one that he has moving forward. I never thought it would be like this. 38 points? More dunks for Arkansas than you had made field goals? November home losses to teams that would have never sniffed being in within 10 points of Louisville, basically at any other point in our existence watching this program. And the, the real thing that's hammering, I, I think, the fears home from the people in this fan base that are like, man, I don't know if it's going to get a whole lot better. One, the team's not really improving all that much. I think you see it in, in spurts. I was very encouraged by the way they played in the first half against Arkansas. I think if they'd played that hard in the first three games, they'd probably go three and zero, which is something that should never happen. If, if this is going to, if this, if this is a, a culture overhaul, you should at least play hard, and playing hard wins those first three games. The fact that you're zero and three against them is a, is an indictment of everything that took place before the start of the season. But the more discouraging thing, I, I think, for the fan base right now that wants to believe, and everybody wants to believe, there's no. I'm not going to say everybody. You, you can't speak in absolutes when it comes to the fan base. But this notion that there are people out there that just want Kenny Payne to fail. There are people out there who say, I want Kenny Payne to fail, which is absurd. You'd think if anybody has followed the website for the last 15 years, listen to me on the radio, listen to me on the podcast, listen to me anywhere, you'd know that all I really want at the end of the day is this program and these Louisville programs to be successful. I don't care about anything else. I don't care about the perception of being right or the perception of being wrong. I just want the teams to win. And I would love for Louisville to reach, to get back to being Louisville under the tutelage of Kenny Payne. He seems like a fantastic human being. Everybody speaks highly of him. He's a former player. The former players are excited about the program again. This would be a perfect circumstance for the cards to get back. But there's this notion that some people just want Kenny Payne to fail. Nobody wants Kenny Payne to fail. Everybody wants the same thing, which is Louisville basketball, to get back to being Louisville basketball. But the concern from, I think, even the people who are trying to be as patient as possible right now is when's the help going to come? And where's it going to come from? Because you look at this 2023 class, everybody's been saying the same thing. Kenny Payne's got to do one of two things in his first year. One, overachieve on the court. It's not coming close to happening. Two, killed in recruiting. Give this fan base tangible evidence that help is on the way, that better days are on the horizon. It's not happening either. You miss out on every five-star that you recruit in the class. You don't get A.J. Johnson. You don't get D.J. Wagner. You don't get Aaron Bradshaw. You don't get any of the other guys that we were rumored to be on the short list for. You're not going to bring a five-star in this class. Curtis Williams, Caleb Glenn, they can be fine players. Isaiah Moran, it sounds like he's trending elsewhere. I don't know who else we get from this 2023 class, but it's not going to be a perceived difference maker. It's not going to be a lottery pick type player. It's not going to be somebody who takes you from whatever you are right now to an NCAA tournament team next year. Which leaves you with one route. And this is what Dick Vitale tweeted to me yesterday, which was another, I'm like, God. A low moment for me as a fan. Dick Vitale's out here saying what everybody else is saying. I'm like, cool. I, I appreciate it, Dick. He's talking to me like we've known each other for 20 years. Hey, Mike. I'm like, yeah. 
the last time we were talking to each other, we were beefing back in 2009. You were hating what I was writing. I saw that on Twitter. Yeah, that's Dick Vitale. It's like you're an old friend. Hey, Mike, I feel bad for you. I'm like, I feel bad for me too, Dick. (laughs) I appreciate it. But everybody knows that the only route that Kenny Payne has to go, which is to kill it in the transfer portal, which I think we all would be a lot more confident about if he had done more damage last spring. And the NIL thing is out there. Not saying he can't kill it in the transfer portal with his NIL philosophy. I'm just saying it's going to make it a lot harder. It's easier to recruit 18-year-old kids if you want to take the NIL approach that Kenny Payne has, which is essentially we want to use NIL. You can get paid at Louisville for your name and likeness, but it's not going to be the start of the conversation. We're not going to, you're not going to come to us and say, Syracuse is offering me this. What can you do? It's a non-starter for Kenny Payne. And I do think it played a part in him swinging and missing so consistently during last summer. And I fear it's going to play a part in him swinging and missing consistently this summer. I mean, did you watch Arkansas Creighton last night? There are a lot of guys out there that weren't with that program last year. Baylor Shireman's a guy that we were in on, that we reached out to from South Dakota State. He was the best player on the floor last night for the team that won the game. Every team, almost every team, that is a big-time player in college basketball right now is relying heavily on a transfer. There is a way to make this team NCAA tournament good next year. But I think the fear is we don't have the coach with a philosophy to make it happen. And if this thing gets worse this year, if we're talking about a single-digit win team, if we're talking about like a 5-24 and team, he may have to be a little bit more flexible on that front. Because the fan base will the fan base will tolerate this to an extent. They'll be willing to give you something of a pass for year one. They may say it's it's bad, it's not good enough, it shouldn't be this bad. But we're not gonna fire you, we're not gonna clamor for you to be fired. Even if you go seven and twenty one, even if it's the worst season in any of our lifetimes, which right now it's looking like it's shaping up to be. But only if you give them belief that it's going to get better. Only if you show them proof. And if we don't, it's not going to happen with a recruiting class. If we don't bring in one of the best transfer classes in America, if the players that are coming back from this year's roster don't show market improvement from where they are right now to early March or whenever the season ends, where's the belief? What are you selling us? Because right now, again, we all want to believe, but the question that's out there is, what about this program has gotten better since Kenny Payne took over? The culture? The post-game quotes? The coach likability factor? Cool. I Kenny Payne comes off as a far more likable person than Chris Mack at times. That's great. But we lost to a Division II team in an exhibition game for the first time in over two days. Well, first time ever. Last time we lost an exhibition game, it was to a group of pros. We lost... Three straight home games to start a season for the first time ever. We are getting blasted against quality opponents in, in the Maui Invitational and setting records in that process. We can't make a shot. We can't make a complete pass. We've got no guards. The big men who were good last year have gotten worse. The big man that we brought in who was our only five-star player has shown no semblance of that, that type of player. It's hard right now to see the silver lining. It's like in the summer when, you know, the only thing you had to go off of was the trust in KP mantra. Remember that? Like, like Jeff Greer wrote a really good thing about it in his newsletter, saying it's 
it's all you've got right now, but it's dangerous to say, you know, I'm not seeing any recruits talking about Louisville favorably. I'm not seeing us on any short list. We're not talking about any of these big-time transfers that Kenny Payne's going after. Trust in KP. When we don't get any of those players and we're thinking, are we going to be all right with just one true guard on the roster? Trust in KP. He's got a system that works. He's got some guys that are better than you think. When we don't bring back a couple of the players from last year's team that were our best players, trust in KP. He knows who to bring back. And now, 0-5, not much hope for this season. Help not seeming to be on the way. It's kind of hard to fall back on trusting KP at this moment. He's not giving us much to trust. And it's a scary place to be. And it's why you're seeing, I think, the visceral reaction from a lot of places. Everybody's saying, you know, be patient. This is patience. It's hard to be patient when you've quite literally never been in this position before. This is Louisville basketball. Bad seasons are when you're an 8-9 seed. Bad seasons. Last season was a catastrophe. That team started 10-4. and 10-4 and for the wheels. We have watched this program now, going back to last year, lose 18 of its last 20 games. Did you ever in your life think that that would be something that you said out loud? 18 of 20 games. I was watching the highlights from the last time we played Cincinnati earlier today, the 2014 game at UC, where we had fewer losses then in late February than we have right now. That was number 11 versus number 7. And today those two teams are playing for 7th place at Maui. It's tough to stay upbeat. It's tough to be patient. I I think people are trying. But my God, you've got to give us something. You've got to give us something. I've talked too much about this. Uh, we got to go to break. We talked over the top of the hour. I'll turn it over to you guys. Thornton Sachs line, 502-414-1450. Your thoughts are welcome. Then we'll talk a little UK UVA football after that. Hour number two of the Mike Rutherford Show is on the way next here on 1450 The Big X. Welcome back in. Mike Rutherford Show, Wednesday edition here on 1450 and 96.1 The Big X. Happy Thanksgiving Eve to all who celebrate. All the 20-somethings uh, going out to the bars tonight to run into every person that they hated from high school. Godspeed to you all. Uh, I've been there. I know it. Don't get caught in that conversation. Spend your time in the bar line because it's going to take 45 minutes to get up there and get a drink. That's uh, It's going to be a fantastic night. Worst night of the year to go out. Like I, I liked it for a short period of time. It was great. Everybody was back in town. And then after, like, once I got to 25, I was like, this is actually the worst night to go out. I, I, I've got social media. I've got a cell phone. If I want to talk to somebody from high school, I can talk to somebody from high school. The only people who are coming up and talking to me are the people that I was happy to leave behind in my life when I was 18 years old. Uh, I, don't, I don't need to talk to that guy at the bar. I don't, I don't, I don't care about that person. I don't care about that girl. She hates me anyway. Why, why are we doing this? Uh, bars are too crowded. It's gross. It's fine. Godspeed to you all, though. Uh, quick update right now. We've got the fifth-place game at the Maui Invitational going. Texas Tech, who thumped Louisville yesterday, currently trails Ohio State 
62 to 56 with 7:15 to go in the second half. We also have uh, coming up at, at five o'clock the championship game. Creighton will take on Arizona. Creighton had an absolutely fantastic game against Arkansas last night, which they won 90 to 87. So both teams that have just destroyed Louisville have lost their next game. Uh, it's it doesn't make you feel better, but that, that's okay. Kentucky is in action right now. They lead North Florida 10 to five. We also have Dayton and Wisconsin playing an absolute slugfest right now on ESPN2. Flyers have battled back from a, a deficit there. That is a, I think, 40-37 to 37 lead for Wisconsin right now. Not a fun game. Earlier today, Kansas knocked off NC State 80-74. to 74. Brutal cover for anybody who had Kansas minus 8.5. NC State got a late steal and hit a 3. That was beautiful to see. Loaded day of hoops continuing all day long, and, of course, we're looking forward to, well, maybe maybe not looking forward, but we're all eyes are on Louisville versus Cincinnati which is a 7.30 tip on ESPNU. 100th meeting between the old rivals. Hopefully the cards can make it a victory number one of the Kenny Payne era. 502-414-1450 is the Thornton sex line. We'll take some thoughts from you now. As uh, I pontificated long enough there in the first segment about my thoughts with this basketball team. We'll, we'll take some text, and then we'll get to the UofL UK talk coming up for the Battle for Governor's Cup on Saturday. Texture says, have we moved L to shooting guard yet? We have it. This is something that I think a lot of people are saying now. You're seeing people saying, play Hersey Miller at the one, move L to the two, play Fabio Basile, who's barely playing at all, Put start him at the one, move L to the two. I hate to do this. I told you guys he wasn't a point guard. We knew he wasn't a point guard. We watched him play last year. We knew he wasn't a point guard. And I know that he got on social media this entire offseason was like, I'm a point guard. I'm going to show you. I'm a point guard. I'm going to show you. And Kenny Payne was like, he's a point guard. He's going to show you. He's not a point guard. He's a good player. He's the best we got. He's doing everything that I can. I do not put Louisville struggles so far on L. Ellis. He's not a point guard. And against teams that have loaded backcourts that can come at you in waves, he's just not equipped, and he doesn't have the players around him to be an effective point guard. He had, I mean, against Arkansas, and you hate to put this all on him because he's the guy who has the ball in his hands the most, but he had seven turnovers against Arkansas. He had three against Texas Tech yesterday. He's not shooting well. He's pressing. In his two Maui Invitational games so far, he's a combined seven of 27 from the field. He's three of 11 from three. He has 10 turnovers and five assists. One to two assist to turnover ratio, which is good for our team. It's better than the rest of the team, but still not good for a point guard. And he can't play 40 minutes a night. I mean, maybe you try to see how it works. They, they did run Hersey Miller at the one a little bit yesterday while Ellis was on the floor, but primarily they're using Miller as a guy to just let Ellis get a break. And I've got, I've got no problem with Hersey Miller. Because he plays his ass off. I'm fine if you want to play Hurston Miller 40 minutes a game at this point. Because he does what a lot of guys in this team don't do. Which is give maximum effort every second he's on the floor. But he's also not a guy who should be getting the minutes that he's getting for a program like Louisville. He's just, he's not. Maybe he can blossom into that player. But he barely played at Tennessee State last year before he got hurt. He wasn't getting minutes there. He wasn't going to play at Xavier. He's getting minutes because we didn't manage this roster properly. If you want to run at the point and just see how it looks, then sure. If you, if you want to get Fabio more looks, there's, there, Fabio's clearly not showing something in practice that is keeping him from getting any sort of meaningful minutes. When he, gets, when he gets out there late in games, 
he's shot hunting. Who's you know, you can't take much away from mop up duty as far as whether or not he's ready to see meaningful minutes against quality opponents. But at this point, I guess, why not? Throw something against the wall. That's the new mentality. Texas says, thank God the king of the villa sports airwaves is back. Good to hear you. I appreciate that. Texas says, is Trevor okay? I'm worried about the big guy. Trevor, we, we, we mentioned this last week. We knew he was going to be out. This isn't a new thing. Uh, he was he was planning on going on one of his Trevor vacations and, and then coming back. He will be around Friday. He'll be here for the show 3-6 at Oxmoor Ford tomorrow. I'm sure he's got some pent-up thoughts. He'll be spitting those hot takes uh, about the U.K. game and the basketball program on Friday. Texter says, if you look at the season objectively and not as a Louisville fan, do you think there's a single player on the team that doesn't have it in their best interest to transfer? Maybe Hersey. I don't know. I mean... I don't think you can say that. I There are still things that playing at a program like Louisville can offer you that you can't get anywhere else. Now, if you're saying, I don't know, just based on the situation, if you think that maybe Kenny Payne's not the guy and it's only going to get worse, then everybody is in, the, is in their best interest to leave, then okay, that's your prerogative. I, I don't, we don't know how this is going to work long term. Clearly, there's playing time available. <laughs> Even for guys who just play an average season this year on a bad team, you still will have a shot to come back and, and compete for playing time next year. I don't know if you can land yourself in a better situation. I, I guess maybe you look at the guys who left last year's team and, and left two years ago and see what they're doing, and maybe you think it's better for them. I don't know. I mean, you know, Sam Williamson is the third leading scorer at a very average SMU team. Dre Davis is playing well for Seton Hall, which is taking a step back this year. Seton Hall is not going to be as good as they've been the last couple of years. Uh, Quinn Slezinski is, is starting and putting up solid numbers for Iona, where Rick Pitino is. Um, Josh Nickelberry is putting up big numbers for LaSalle, which is a bad team. Aiden Nagayon's barely playing for Grand Canyon. Noah Locke is, is playing big minutes and scoring for a Providence team that, again, could be a tournament team, but it's not going to be as good as they were last year when they won the Big East regular season title. Like, those guys, are they're doing well, and we could use them. I'm not trying to say that. But it's not like we lost guys who are the sixth man at North Carolina or playing big minutes and putting up great numbers for Gonzaga. That's not really happening. They weren't great players here because they're not great players. They can be good players. They're not great players. Excuse me. So everybody transferring, are they going to be better? Eh, I don't know. I'm not sure I buy fully into that. If Kenny Payne is the guy, then he'll sell the guys who want to come back on better days ahead. And he'll bring in better pieces that can help accentuate what they do well. It's a big if. <coughs> Texture says he's Patrick Ewing or Clyde Drexler. Whomever you talked to last year was correct. It's a disaster. It is so far. And Patrick Ewing, by the way, lost to American University today as a 13.5 point favorite. I hate that we're getting lumped in now with, with Georgetown because that's that's happening too. People watched the Georgetown game earlier because it was the only thing on. They led by 16. They ended up losing. And people are like, Georgetown and Louisville, two programs that won three national titles in two years once upon a time are a combined three and eight, which is kind of us because we're, we're not adding any of that win total right now. And they're going nowhere fast. Georgetown with Ewing, they've given it a shot, certainly. They've 
felt it out. Like, like Patrick Ewing has been there now for this is his fourth season. He's tried it with transfers. He's tried it with good recruits. He's tried it with developing his own players, and none of it's really worked. I said four seasons. This is actually this is sixth season. It started off okay. Yeah, they went to the NIT in year two. They showed improvement. They won 19 games, and then it got bad. Then they had the miraculous run to the Big East Championship, which people seem to conveniently forget came as an eight seed in a 10-team league. And then last year they won six games and went 0-19 in conference play. And this year they look like they're even worse. It's a disaster at a once-proud program. And I think that's your concern if you're Louisville, is you see how quickly it can, it can go wrong. We've seen programs that have been in the position that we were 10 years ago fall off the face of the earth and claw their way back and not get there in any sort of expedience on. The most obvious example is Indiana. And you can say, well, they're number 10 in the country right now. Mike Woodson seems like he's doing a good job. It's a good thing the fan base was patient there. Yeah, it's also been over 20 years since they played in Elite Eight. Think about how old you are right now. Do you want to be 20 years farther into the future before you see Louisville play in a regional final? And keep in mind, we're already seven years removed, eight years removed, once the NCAA tournament comes around next March from the last time we saw Louisville play in a regional final. It's been since 2018, 2015. We haven't won a game, period, in the tournament since 2017. So take that amount of time, add another, I don't know, 15 years on top of that. I mean, I, I don't want to be 55 before I see Louisville make a deep run in the NCAA tournament again. And that's what you're risking if you keep hiring the wrong people if you keep allowing the negativity to permeate throughout your program, if you allow the mentality of not having winning DNA to fester, it can happen, man. We've seen it happen. Houston, DePaul, Indiana, Georgetown, all programs who thought at their peak, no way it can happen to us. No way we can fall off a cliff, have fallen off a cliff, and have struggled to get back. Texas says, Sean McNeil with nine points right now against Texas Tech with 12 to go. Amani Bates is averaging 21 points. I don't want to hear the crap that us being this bad was unavoidable, unavoidable either. It wasn't. And anybody who says that is lying to themselves. You can believe two things that are not at odds with one another. You can still have faith that Kenny Payne is the guy. You can still be hopeful that next year is going to be better. And two years from now, we're going to be back to being good. You can trust the process, whatever cliche you want to use, and still look at where we are right now in this moment and say, there's no excuse for this. There's an excuse to not be Louisville. There's no excuse for being, I mean, Cal, Georgetown, one of the worst, a bottom 150 team in the sport, which is what we are right now. I don't think that Kenny Payne could have built a roster immediately that was like second weekend of the tournament good. He could have absolutely done more than he did. Look at the fact that we were on the short list for guys like Tyrese Hunter, who is the best player right now and arguably the best team in the country at Texas. We were on the short list for Baylor Shireman, short list for Malachi Smith. Amani Bates, we could have gotten him if we wanted to. Sean McNeil, we could have gotten him if we wanted to. We added nobody. Nobody. 
after we got Brandon Huntley Hatfield. This could have been, and if you had just gotten, man, if you just got like an average transfer, not even the Malachi Smiths, the 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 Bateses, the the Tyrese Hunters of the world, you could be better than this. You may not be tournament good, but you could be competitive. If you'd gotten the Kristen, a Kristen Cunningham type player, hell, we'd kill for a Kristen Cunningham right now. If you'd gotten a Quan Four type player, a Tony Hicks type player, any of the types of transfers that have played minutes for this program in the past would have helped this team significantly. And instead, we did nothing. And that's why we are where we are. Texas says he might not even have a chance to get transfers. I think he will. Texas Bronny DeVille. Bronny James is the highest-rated unsigned player in the 2023 class right now. I don't don't think we're getting him. Um, Texas says... It's a text from somebody else. says, all those former players that pressured to hire Kenny need to keep their mouth shut from now on. They better be at every home game until this is over. Those aren't my words, but it's hard to disagree. I get the frustration from everybody right now. And I get why... Look, if you're expecting the former players to turn on their guy, especially the ones who played with Kenny Payne, that's not going to happen. Nor should it. I said... During the coaching search, and I still believe it, that the I have the utmost respect for all the everybody who's ever put on the Louisville uniform. Even if you were not my favorite player, weren't the best player, anybody who puts in that effort every week, 12 months out of the year, off-season workouts, practices during the season, showing up at games, doing the right stuff, to try to give us something that makes us happy for five months a year in the winter— that makes the time pass in these th- those just awful months of January and February. I've got the utmost respect for you. I can't thank you enough for everything you've done to give us this product that we we all love so much. But that doesn't mean that you should have a huge pull in who the program chooses to hire. If you went back to <clears throat> you know where this all started, the whole divide between crumb players, patino players players wanting to be disassociated with from the program, all that stuff. It all started with Denny being forced out at the turn of the century, right? When that happened, you had players who were pissed off. They went to Tom Jurich, and then they were like, okay, we're willing to accept this if you give us what we want, which is one of our own taking over this program. We want the, the crumb legacy to roll over and all of his tutelage, all of his teaching, all of the, the vibes around the program to remain consistent we want you to hire Jerry Eves. Tom Jurch was never going to do that. You're not going to hire a guy who was, I think at that point in time, was still an, a D2 coach. I know he went to, to you know UNC, one of the UNC schools, and I think North Carolina A&T, and, and did not do well for a few years. When he had the option of hiring a proven coach who was a surefire Hall of Famer who had already won a national title, he brought in Rick Pitino, and at least when it comes to the on-court product, it was the clear decision. Clear decision. If they had had their weight, I mean, I don't... The program would not have been as successful as it was in the 2000s or the aughts. And now, you, you they kind of got their way here, and it's not off to a great start. But I don't fault any of the... You're seeing a lot of the players tweeting, you know, any anybody who's upset right now, you're not a real fan... Don't try to get back on board when the the program when the, the train starts rolling again, which is 
it's not the right mentality to have. I, I respect Alhaji Muhammad, who was coming out yesterday and saying, like, I, I think it's going to get better. I understand fans being upset, but you can't hate the players and then get back on board. No, nobody's hating the players, right? Some some people may. Again, I shouldn't speak for everybody. I shouldn't cast a giant blanket over it because there's some weird stuff out there on both sides. But for the most part, if you're expressing anger right now, it means you still care. And the opposite of loving them up, constant support, it's not hate. It's apathy. When apathy sets in is when you have a real problem. And I worry how long this can be sustained because this isn't just a 2022-2023 season type deal. This is about the seven years of scandal and lack of on-court success that this fan base has been dealing with since the fall of 2015. And at some point, you get a little bit tired. And I think you're seeing it in with, with the attendance numbers. You're certainly seeing it with the engagement numbers on online. You're seeing it with the dollars. I mean, today, there were some donors that made it known we're taking all of our money to Bellarmine. It happened full-time. They're not going to be the last ones. At some point, you've got to get back to winning. It's what it all comes back to. Everybody's happy if the program's winning. They don't care about the culture stuff. They don't care. It's a plus when it's there. But they don't care about, well, our coach isn't animated enough on the sidelines or doesn't say the right things after the game or what the system is. Or what. If you just win games, everybody gets back on the same page. When you're not, that's where the divide comes in. But to act like fans don't have the right to be upset about being 0-5 for the first time since 1940. I don't. I can't understand that. Texture says, is there a realistic scenario where Kenny Payne is not the head coach next year? This is a question that is going to keep coming up. I, I mean, of course there's a scenario where he's not. I think it's more likely, and this is not like inside info. This is just me speculating. I don't think that there's, it would take like a Petrino-esque 2018 collapse for a move to be made in year one. And the equivalent of what we saw in 2018 would be this team going like one in 30 and not improving and not seeing the effort level improve. Maybe some off the court stuff pops up. It would have to be a complete all systems failure. I think it's more likely that Kenny Payne would walk away than it would be that he would get fired. And I don't think either one is likely at all. But just reading between the lines with Kenny Payne saying multiple times like he had to be kind of talked into taking the job. Maybe he just decides, you know, this is, I had a good life before. I can still go back and get one of those other jobs. This is not for me. I don't think that that's going to happen, but I also think that it's even less likely that he gets fired. I would be stunned if Kenny Payne's not your head coach next year. Having said that, this time last year when there was some talk about Chris Mack getting fired, I also said I would be stunned if Chris Mack is not your head coach next year, and he wasn't even the coach in February. So I've been stunned before. Stunned by the Petrino firing, was stunned by the Mack parting of ways. I would be stunned if Kenny Payne's not back for a second season. I think after year two, and you know, people are talking about the buyout, it's, it's $10 million. It goes down $2 million every year for the next five. If it's as bad next year, if this season you know, it, it winds up being a single-digit win team or even like a 10-win team and they're as bad next year, then I think you start to have a discussion about can we afford to do this? Because let's make the comparison we always make. 
Kentucky hired Billy Gillespie, and I know that Billy Gillespie walked into a better situation than Kenny Payne was walking into. But Billy Gillespie also produced much better results than Kenny Payne has so far. Gillespie was the SEC Coach of the Year in his first season. SEC Coach of the Year, Billy Gillespie. And after year two, they still said, we can't have this. We're Kentucky for God's sake. We can't stand for this. You got to go. It wound up looking like the right call. They got John Calipari. They were back to being Kentucky immediately, and they've been so ever since. Now, maybe now they're kind of sliding a little bit, but they've been pretty good. If year two is as bad as year one, if we don't see the improvement, if the recruiting uptick doesn't happen, if the transfer portal is just as much of a swing and miss deal as it was last spring, then you have the conversation. But for right now, you just can't can't fire a guy in year one. You can't do it. Texas Kenny Payne is Louisville's version of Billy Gillespie, except Billy was above 500 during his first games as a head coach. Yeah, SEC Coach of the Year. Texas, your yearly reminder that Billy D- Jimmy Dykes went 43-49 and 49 as, as his only head coaching stop, Arkansas women. The guy is the biggest know-it-all to apparently know absolutely nothing in the history of college basketball. Yeah, but he's got the jet. We love Jimmy's jet. Texas says, wow, Mike, you got to breathe, man. What difference is a 5-win or a 15-win season? Well, 10 wins. They both stink. Recall that UK had a team with four pros go for nine wins in 2021. It happens. Five stars aren't a must. A team without seven wing players is. I'm not sure exactly what point you're trying to make there, but the difference between five wins and 15 wins is significant. I I don't think that that should need to be explained, but it is. Texas start Fabio at the point. At this point, I don't Sure. Like, I wouldn't hate it. I don't get it. I don't think he's the answer. Again, we're clamoring for a a three-star kid, two-star kid who wasn't ranked by most of the services out there that do things and is a true freshman to start at point guard in the Maui Invitational. But there's nothing that Kenny Payne wouldn't try, couldn't try right now that I wouldn't be like, sure, why not? Give it a shot. Throw someone against the wall. At least change the starting lineup. We're 0-5 for the first time since before World War II, and we haven't changed our starting lineup once. Seems like this, the first thing that maybe we could do. Texas, did anyone uh, tell TK about the legal weed? Oh, yeah, we'd have him away on the air. Texas says, uh, thank you, Mike. You translated some of Cardinal Bird's mumblings. He said, I love L, but he's a scorer, not a point guard. Tennessee State cast off is our only point guard. Tennessee State cast off a cacall. Um, yeah, this is the guy who sends in the weird drawing of the, of the Cardinal bird. I appreciate that. I had no idea what you were talking about until I looked at your previous text, but thank you. Um, we got to go to break. We come back. We'll take some more texts. You guys have thoughts on this. We also can switch the conversation to football a little bit. It's the Mike Rutherford Show on a Wednesday here in 1450 and 96.1 The Big X. with music here come on 
Uh, welcome back in the Mike Rutherford Show. It is Wednesday, November 23rd. Uh, again, we're on until 5.30 today. Back in the saddle, we will be on the air Friday, day after Thanksgiving. Hopefully you have a fantastic turkey day, and then you get your attention shifted properly to the UofL UK game. We'll be on from 3 to 6, live from Oxmoor Ford. Uh, we do have a final now from the first game of the day at the Maui Invitational. Ohio State takes down Texas Tech in the fifth-place game. 80-73 to 73 is the final score. Remember how... Like everybody who's my age who had a dad that was a gigantic U of L fan, we always heard two things. I guess three things. One, like the McCray brothers were basically like like superheroes. Like they, they they could have beaten up anybody in the history of the world. Rodney McCray just would have like drop kicked Andre the Giant into the ocean if he wanted to. He could have done whatever he wanted to. Two was that Wade Houston and Allen Houston leaving wrecked the the Denny Crum era. They would have won like five more national championships if they could have kept Wade and Allen. That was the beginning of the end. And the third thing was the famous NC State-Houston game. NC State shocks fly-slamma-jamma. Every kid my age heard from their dad. The only reason Houston lost that game. Louisville warmed down in the Final Four. Crazy game. Everybody's dunking. They were worn down. If they hadn't played that game against Louisville, they would have rolled over NC State. I'm kind of thinking that we're now the 83 team because we let Arkansas dunk so much against us on Monday that they were clearly tired last night against Creighton. Creighton made the plays down the stretch that they needed to. Arkansas couldn't. They get beat. We let Texas Tech dunk so much on us yesterday. They turn right around. They lose to Ohio State today. Only score 73 points. Give up 80. We're, We're basically like the 83 team without any of the positives. We're not competitive, but we let you dunk on on us just as much as Houston did in that game. Um, I laugh because I, I can cry. That's uh, I, I laugh because that's the only other option. Wisconsin also takes down Dayton. The player, the, I saw the graphic, the player of the game from ESPN in the Wisconsin-Dayton game was a guy who went 3 of 16 from the field. That's how bad it was uh, for Wisconsin-Dayton. The only other game going on right now, we got two. Baylor up 3 over McNeese State, and then Kentucky all over North Florida in the first half there. 38-16 to 16 is your score. Again, Thornton Sex Line, 502-414-1450. would love to talk a little bit of football, but you guys clearly want to keep the conversation on basketball, which I understand. We do have a game to get excited about tonight. Cards taking on Cincinnati. There were plans for the series to be resumed in recent years. In fact, it was actually on the schedule a couple of years ago when John Brandon and Chris Mack, who are boys, were the head coaches of the two respective programs. It got canceled because of COVID. They tried to get it back on the schedule, I think, a year later and ended up not being able to make that happen. Kenny Payne has said he wants to play Cincinnati um, at some point in the future, just not right now, which is you you get why he's pushing off off all the rivalries until hopefully sometime down the line said, you know, Memphis, I took Penny's call. We'll play you. Just maybe not right now. DePaul, we'll play you. We'll have that return game. Just maybe not right now. You kind of see why he's doing all of that. But they are going to wind up playing Cincinnati today in the seventh-place game of the Maui Invitational. It's the first time the two programs have met since February of 2014. Russ Smith hit a crazy game winner in the final seconds uh, to to lead the 11th-ranked cards to a win over the 7th-ranked Bearcats. Both programs have had a little bit of a fall since then. Cards 0-5. Cincinnati 3-3. Still better than Louisville, but have not looked that much better in Matt. Well, I shouldn't say that. They were competitive against uh, against Arizona on night one. They lost an entertaining game, one hundred one to ninety three. They were less inter- competitive yesterday against Ohio State, losing eighty one to fifty three. They've beaten EKU by eighteen. They beat Cleveland State by eleven. And the common opponent that Louisville and Cincinnati have is Chaminade, who Louisville 
played a very close game against in an exhibition one by seven. Cincinnati played them in a game that counted and beat them by 43. So advantage you see there. If you're looking at this team overall, their best player is a name that, that might be familiar to you. Landers Nolly started his career at Virginia Tech. He averages about 15 points per game. He's a very good outside shooter, very good scorer in general. Uh, David Julius is is also on the team. He's a Michigan transfer who's averaging double figures. They're a better offensive team than they are defensive, which doesn't really fit the historical mold for Cincinnati. Um, but they'll they'll score. They don't play up tempo. They're a good half court team. Defensively, they've got some glaring weaknesses, but they do two things really well: offensive rebound and limit turnovers. So Louisville, we have not seen them compete nearly enough on the glass. They've got to make that happen tonight because those second chance opportunities uh, can be an absolute killer in a game like this. And then the cards, you've got to take care of the ball because this is not a Cincinnati team that is going to try to turn you over. They're 314th in the country in, in turnover percentage. They've only turned opponents over on 15.4%. So what Louisville has to do, you know, you, it's one thing if you have just a great defensive team that comes out and makes a couple of great plays. You can live with those turnovers. Louisville's just been giving the ball away. They've been wasting possessions so many times, just guys dropping passes, dribbling balls off their feet, not being in the right spot, not looking for a pass when it's coming. That stuff has to stop tonight. If you're going to have any shot at winning this game, and the cards are an 8.5-point underdog according to the current spread in Vegas, maybe it's just blind optimism. Maybe it's me refusing to believe what I've seen with my own eyes the last couple of games. I think they're going to be in this game. Prime, it's not necessarily an ode to Louisville. I just don't think Cincinnati's very good. I think West Miller's a good coach. I think he'll have them right, but they're not there yet. They don't have the pieces. I'm not predicting a win, but I think Louisville's going to have a shot here. I'm saying that on the record. Feel free to to flame me on Friday if this winds up being another 30-point loss. I think they're competitive tonight. They've played hard enough in the first two games, at least in the first half, to lead me to believe they're going to come out and play with extreme effort. And maybe if that extreme effort leads them to like, I don't know, a two-point halftime lead or only like a three- or four-point halftime deficit, it can carry over into the second half. They'll play a full 40 minutes. They'll, they'll try to get this win. We need something positive to happen. A win over Cincinnati, an old rival, in the 100th meeting between the two programs, it would mean more than just a little like first win over Florida A&M or Western or whoever. Would love to beat these guys. Still don't care for them, still don't like them. Would love for Kenny Payne's first win to be an embarrassing loss for Cincinnati. Let's make that happen tonight. Again, 7.30 tip-off on ESPNU. Back to the text line, 502-414-1450 is the Thornton text line. Texture says, everybody wants to talk about the chances of Kenny Payne getting fired. I I, I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think it's going to happen. I think it would happen. It would have to get extremely, extremely, extremely bad for him to be fired in year one. Texas that have made about $100 the last two days making modest bets against Louisville and the under. Has Vegas overcorrected with UC minus nine? I think they have. And once again, I could be totally wrong about that. I, I thought we win all three of our first games. Clearly was wrong there. I think that they, I think it's closer than nine points tonight. Would I be stunned if they laid another egg and didn't compete and lost by 25? No. I've watched this team play five games, seven if you count the exhibitions. I know what they've been so far, but I think they compete tonight. I hope they compete tonight. Texture says there's a racial divide amongst the fans. 
black men who have overwhelmingly made up some of U of L's most successful teams have never been given the opportunity at men's basketball coaching spot. Now that an African-American has finally achieved that status, which has been long overdue, by the way, there is an urgency to give them more understanding, more grace. Agree or not, it is necessary. I don't think it's a, I think there's maybe some truth to that, but if you look at the people on social media, if you look at the people on, you know, calling into radio shows, there's not really, it's not like every single black man is supportive of Kenny Payne and saying, like, you're seeing it, you're, you're seeing it both ways. Like, there are some white men, white women, there, there are people of every race who are defending Kenny Payne and saying, you got to give him more time. And there are some people of every race who are saying, this is unacceptable, get him out. Like, I, I'm seeing a lot of it both ways. Again, social media is not a full indicator of where the fan base is. Not everybody's on Twitter. Not everybody's on Instagram. Not everybody's listening to the radio show and, and texting in. But from what I've seen, it's it's not just drawn strictly on on racial lines. But it to act like race isn't part of the story with Kenny Payne coming in, I think, is also just putting blinders on. I mean, it, it's a big deal, like you said in the text, to have a black man coaching a program, which, by the way, was the second. Everybody knows about the Texas Western team that uh, was in Glory Road and, and became the first team to ever play in a Final Four with five black starters. What was the, was the second program to make it to a Final Four with five black starters? It's no small thing to finally have a black man coaching this program. And while I disagree that it's like totally divided amongst racial lines, it's certainly a storyline here for sure. Texas says, I feel like we're already at all systems failure. How much worse can it get? Stop saying that, everybody. Stop stop putting that question out there. Every, I mean, I have said there's nowhere to go but up 3,000 times in three weeks. I can't say it again. If they, I mean, I guess if they lose by 60 tonight, maybe to a worse team than the, the ones that blasted you the last two nights, but it's got to be the bottom. We have to be the bottom right now. We have to be. It has to get better. It, it, I, I'm choosing to believe that. Texas says, what if we just hire Russ as the coach? <laughs> it's a constant free-for-all, and everyone's chucking up threes, but they hustle their asses off, and it works. I saw Russ on Friday night. He's, uh, he's, he's doing the bourbon thing, making plays. I did not pitch that he could be the next head coach, but he would certainly be entertaining. He'd be entertaining as a, in anything. That's who Russ is. That's how he, how he works. Texas says, I just don't get how Matt got transfers every year, and we couldn't this summer. It seems like dereliction of duty to do nothing and think that you get a free year. It's been pointed out by other people already. But if you're sitting there saying, you know, Kenny Payne had no shot with the transfer portal because of the IRP stuff, you're simply not looking at the rest of the country. You're not looking at, one, the fact that Chris Mack was able to, as the texter said, get transfers every single year that he was here while also not knowing when the NCAA ruling was going to come down. Chris Mack, there was never one offseason that he had here where he could guarantee to a potential recruit, or a potential transfer. I know we're going to be eligible to play in the NCAA tournament. For all he knew, you know, before we got to the IARP, an NCAA ruling could have been coming down in a day. It could have been coming down midseason, and they could have banished from the postseason. Like, he was under the same black cloud that has been hovering over the program for the last seven months since Kenny Payne took over, and that only disappeared last month. But look at the other programs out there. Look at Kansas. Look at Arizona. Look at Memphis and look at LSU. LSU maybe looked the closest at. 
they have the most significant allegations from the NCAA. They fired Will Wade, who was caught on tape openly talking about paying players. They hired Matt McMahon from Murray State, a guy who desperately wanted the Louisville job or desperately wanted to be considered for the Louisville job. They lost all of their scholarship players from last season. A good team. They lost everybody besides one guy. McMahon brought over some players from Murray State that followed him there. They got a bunch of transfers that typically would not probably have been sniffed by a program like LSU. They couldn't guarantee to any of these kids that they were going to be eligible for the 2023 NCAA tournament or that if they wanted to stay longer than one season, they were going to be eligible for 2024. They couldn't tell them anything. They're 5-0 and right now. They're 5-0 and and they're fun to watch. They play hard. It's an exciting brand of basketball. Now, they may not be a tournament team when all said and done, but we were just talking about Western getting thumped by, by Akron. LSU beat that Akron team by 15. LSU plays Kansas State tonight for a tournament championship. I don't care who they play. They're 5-0. and We can't beat anybody. It was not it was not an easy thing to make this roster one that could have sniffed the tournament, but it wasn't impossible. And to act like it was impossible is just simply not paying attention to anything else that's going on in the rest of the country. Every other team that was dealing with the NCAA cloud got transfers, got players, and every other team that was dealing with the NCAA cloud is much better than Louisville is right now. Hell, NC State was the one program that I was like, yeah, they didn't really get anybody. They played Kansas within six today, and that was their first loss of the season. Arizona's playing for the Maui title tonight. Kansas won a national title last year and, and is only going to take a minor step back this year. Memphis, which she thought would take a gigantic step back, that was dealing with, again, what, nine level one violations? We were dealing with one? They're a top 25 team on Ken Palm. They beat VCU by 15 on Sunday. Beat Vandy by nine in their opener. They play Seton Hall tomorrow. We'll see what happens there. Like All of these programs, they handled it well. And we didn't do anything. It's an excuse to a point. It's an excuse to not be elite. It's not an excuse to be the worst program, worst team in the history of this program. Texture says, please quit mentioning 10 wins. It's not happening, and it makes people more frustrated when we lose. I mean, I throw that out there. It's just like something that can potentially happen. I mean, please quit mentioning 10 wins. Remember when I was the hater for saying that I thought that they were only going to win 12 or 13 games before the season started? <sighs> We've never won fewer than 12 in my lifetime. It's weird to talk about to talk about it being like 10 is is shooting for the stars here. Texas says, I don't know if I can read this. Yeah. I, I, when you guys send an inside info on you know the the, the message board sites. I, I, I'm not comfortable putting that out there. I can't if I can't confirm it myself. You know, if there are rumors out there, we can talk about rumors that are, are elsewhere. But when it's paid content, I can only do so much there. Text says we can't be patient. We need urgency and competence. They just seem lost and unprepared. 
I think that's the concern from the fan base. It's not just the fact that this team is 0-5. It's not just the fact that this team got beaten so decisively against quality opponents in Texas Tech and Arkansas. It's that it looks so disorganized and that the energy level, the want, the desire, the effort, it doesn't look any better than it did last year, which we thought was maybe the worst season of, of any of our lifetimes. I mean, again, like they won 13 games last year, which was bad. The worst part was just them acting like they didn't care. And that was the part that was supposed to, that was the first step in cleaning up this whole thing and rebuilding was at least they're going to care. At least you're not going to sit there watching a Louisville game and feel bad about yourself because you're like, man, I care more than these dudes do. And that's kind of the way that we felt so far this season. That's the big issue right now. It doesn't seem organized. It doesn't seem inspired. It just seems like they want this to be over already. And that can change. Maybe something clicks. Maybe whatever the message that has been trying to be communicated from Kenny Payne and Danny Manning and Nolan Smith and Josh Jamison to these players and hasn't been received for the past few months, maybe it clicks at some point in December. Maybe they get on a nice little run, win some ACC games. They don't make the tournament. They don't sniff the tournament. But they do, text, I'm sorry, bring it up again, get around like 10, 11 wins, maybe even 8, 9, but they show enough signs of improvement and enough signs of effort that it builds the foundation for the success that's to come in the years in the future. But it's hard to just like assume that's going to happen because we haven't seen it through seven games. It was worrisome when they came out against Lenore Ryan, lost by 10, seemed to not care, and the head coach after the game said, we needed to be woken up here. We needed, we needed to be humbled. This Louisville team had lower preseason expectations, lower preseason predictions than any that's ever come before them, any in the prediction age. If that wasn't motivation for you to, to get up for an exhibition game against a bad D2 opponent— that was a red flag right there. And the fact that we keep saying the same things, like they just, they got to get it. They got to get, they're not getting it. We, we're, nobody's asking for them to go out there and beat a top 10 Arkansas team or beat a, a top 25 Texas Tech team. We're asking for them to just compete, to just care, to play hard. And the fact that we're not seeing the bare minimum, that's what has everybody so worried. Texas says, Mike, we're about the same age. Were you ever more excited as a kid than the hours leading up to a Louisville-Cincinnati basketball game? So many nerves. Let's get this dub tonight for old time's sake. Oh, it's spot on. Like, I miss people who are my age were, we missed, like, the heyday of the Memphis rivalry. We missed the 80s. We missed the switchblade being thrown on the, the floor, the Dana Kirk stuff. But we had Cincinnati. And Cincinnati was the biggest, baddest dudes anywhere. There was a brief period in my life where I hated Cincinnati almost as much as I hated Kentucky. I certainly feared them more than I feared Kentucky. I mean, you were worried about Kenyon Martin. I, I would sit at like the second row from the top at Freedom Hall, and I was still terrified that Kenyon Martin was like going to come up there and just kick my ass. Like That's how intimidating he was. Danny Fortson, Bobby Brandon, all those guys. They were scary as hell. And Huggins was a not lovable, like quotable, quirky Bob Huggins. He was just a bad guy. Back in, in 90 Cincinnati, he was the he was the best villain you could ask for. And I felt like that game against UC, especially when we played at home, it was always like a Thursday night at nine o'clock. For whatever reason, it was always the late tip. 
And I remember watching those games, and I was able to stay up later than usual on a school night. And when you won, I remember we upset them when they were, I think, number three in the country, and we were, like, number 21. And when you won those games, I mean, you was, it was just the peak of, like, formative year fandom euphoria. You, you just cloud nine. Like I'm like, David Letterman's on. We beat Cincinnati. I'm still awake. This is heaven. This is as close to just heaven on earth as you can get. And those games were, I mean, you're right. Nostalgia definitely plays a way. The rivalry fell off when the conference shift happened and Mick Cronin took over and, and Huggins left. It never really got back to that point, but we still have had moments. Remember, they were the team that we beat in the 2012 Big East Championship game. We had a nice little period of time there where they were kind of getting the better of us when we first made the move to the Big East, and then we got started getting the better of them. But the big issue is Cincinnati kind of fell off as a program and hasn't gotten quite back yet. But, I, I mean, I would have liked to have seen Cincinnati put back on the, on the schedule at some point in time. I hate that they're back on this way. It feels wrong that we're playing them as two bad teams in the last place game in Maui. But it would definitely be a little bit of an extra oomph if we're able to win. Texas Mike, I'm very happy to get to, you get to watch your Lions in their entirety tomorrow and eat what I would expect would have been a Thanksgiving of the future in the movie Demolition Man from Cracker Barrel. Here's to the highest scoring Lions player ever, Jason Hansen, and you getting to watch a win. Happy Thanksgiving, dude. I appreciate that. That is the one benefit of, of this whole thing is I do now get to watch the Lions game in full, which may or may not be a great thing considering they're playing the Bills tomorrow. Could go poorly, but hopefully it doesn't. Texas says, Mike, why are these players broken, as folks say? What does that mean? What did they go through? Are they Holocaust survivors? Did they survive both world wars? Like, what is so bad? I I don't know. I, I We do kind of talk about them as if there's been something worse than just losing basketball that has transpired. To my knowledge, that hasn't happened. You know, it's one thing to say, like, they're— They've grown accustomed to losing. Hell, we've all grown accustomed to losing at this point. But the broken stuff seems a little bit extreme. We've seen teams have bad years and turn around and be much, much better the next season and not like refer to them as broken. I, I think all that talk is a little bit just, just overstated. Texas is watching Sean McNeil. Sure would have been cool if no one had called him back. We should have taken Sean McNeil. Texas, I saw, I, I'll tell you if this season has taught me anything, it's that Louisville basketball bleeping sucked in the 40s perfect text to end the hour on you're exactly right uh we now know that every record that's been set that we're, we're breaking now is a record that was set in the 40s before we go to break reminding you if you have heating or air conditioning needs only one place to go is our guys over at AirServe. they're focused on air quality and energy efficiency whether it's too hot too cold too dry or too polluted air is going to make sure you're comfortable and breathing the highest quality air give them a call today at 502-264-9662 or visit them online at airserve.com slash Louisville, A-I-R-E-S-E-R-V.com slash Louisville. We'll take a break. We'll come back. Five o'clock hours up next. We've got 30 minutes of sports talk here on the Mike Rutherford Show on the Big X. My heart again. Leave me wondering why the hell I ever let you in. Are you the definition of insanity? Every now and then I get a little bit helpless and I'm lying like a child in your arms. Every now and then I get a little bit angry and I'm 
never fall apart And I need a win tonight We need it more than ever Please God, just beat Cincinnati If we beat Cincinnati tonight, I'm saying it Banner at the Yum Center Seventh place Maui Invitational banner. Put it up right where the 2013 banner used to be. I don't care. People will laugh. Who cares? Seventh place. We need a win. We need something to be to feel good about. Hang it up for the Maryland game, during the Maryland game. By the way, Maryland, uh, that's our next opponent coming back from Maui. It'll be next Tuesday night. Cards taking on the Terrapins in the ACC Big Ten Challenge. They've announced the game time there. It's going to be 7 o'clock tip on ESPN2. The Terps are off to a... Very good start under first-year head coach Kevin Willard, former Louisville assistant. Maryland is uh, 5-0. and They just beat the brakes off of a pretty good Miami team last week. Um, beat them 88-70. to They've also beaten St. Louis by 30. They will play nobody. They play Coppin State tomorrow, or Friday, I should say, before they play Louisville. So Ken Palm currently projecting Louisville to lose that game by nine points. If you're looking ahead, I mentioned this on uh, earlier in the show. Louisville, five-and-a-half point underdogs tonight. That was the opening spread. It has since ballooned to eight and a half. The cards will be 10-point underdogs around there against Maryland. They'll be an underdog at home against Miami. They'll be an underdog on the road against Florida State, who's been bad so far. That would put them, if they lose all those games, they're projected to. 0-9 going into Wednesday, December 14th, when they will host Western Kentucky, who Ken Palm projects them to beat by one at home. If they lose that game, and Western's talented, they have not... They've been fine, maybe not as good as I was expecting them to be quite so far this year. If Louisville loses that, though, to go to 0-10, then all of a sudden you're looking at that Florida A&M game. Florida A&M, who's the second-to-worst team in all of college basketball, according to Ken Palm, and that becomes your Super Bowl. we got to win that game. we got to win that game or risk going over. That's where your mindset shifts to. But let's put all that to bed tonight. Let's not worry about it. Let's get a win tonight. Let's beat the Bearcats. Let's point and laugh at them. Let's renew the rivalry. Let's get it done. Uh, 7.30 tip-off on ESPNU. I, I'm told a couple people have said their TV guides say that they've got the uh, the Arkansas game is on there. Don't pay no mind to the ESPNU lords. They don't know what they're doing. Uh, cards will tip it off at 7.30 from Maui. We're now getting ready for the, the Maui Invitational title game, which is just about to tip off on ESPN. Should be a doozy. Creighton uh, taking on uh, Arizona in the title game. A pair of top 15 teams playing for the championship there should be fun. I still am so, so bitter at the people from Maui for moving the old title game from where it used to be, which was the last game of this day. It was great staying up late. It was always a Thanksgiving Eve tradition, and now it just feels not nearly as fun. It does – I know we've talked in depth about these two games the last two days and how embarrassing it's been, how bad it's looked. Can we all agree, though, Maui's the best? That's been part of why these last two days have been so painful is you remember how fun the Maui Invitational is? Like the Cardinal fans who have made the trip there, by the way, deserve kudos. I I can't believe we've gone this long in the show without me saying this. They have been loud. They've been proud. They've been intense. Even when we've been down by 30 points, they have been fun as hell to follow. That's exactly what you expect to bring when you've got Louisville fans making a trip like that. And also, it probably helps that you get to drink away your sorrows after a 30-point loss to Texas Tech on the beach with, like, 45 drinks. It's better than being in COVID isolation with a 3-year-old and a 1-year-old. I can tell you that much. But watching these games, we haven't played in the Maui in 20 years. It's been a long wait to get back to this point. And it sucks that the team's not better. Because I watched 
Creighton, Arkansas last night, and the game was just fun as hell. It was so fun. Athletes everywhere, back and forth, Billis and Shulman on the call, national TV audience weighing in, you know, late holiday weekend night. We got to go back soon. Hopefully when things are better, whether it's next year, five years from now, 20 years from now, we can be back here and celebrating the cards being in Maui, playing on ESPN, at the Lahaina Civic Center in games that actually matter for the, the sake of the program. Because the, the saddest part about the last two days is how normal it feels. I, I, I don't think I'm alone in this. But what, like when Arkansas started to pull away and it became a dunk contest and you know, every possession it was Louisville turning it over, Arkansas dunking it on the other end, and an 18-point lead becomes a 20-point lead, a 20-point lead becomes a 30-point lead – I didn't feel anything. It sucked and it was embarrassing, but it wasn't like I was just irate or I was pained. And at any other point in my Louisville basketball fandom, watching my team play in that game, Maui Invitational game against a top 10 opponent, and seeing them come up short would have just, it would have eaten at me. If that had happened when I was 23, I would have, like, I would have gone out with my friends and just, I would not have been able to shake it from my mind. I would have pained painfully drunk away my sorrows and still not been able to, to talk about anything else. And it would have stung until they played the next day. Same with yesterday's game. If that had happened at any other point, we, I mean, we all just would have been just inconsolable. And last night and the night before, while it was happening, it was just kind of like, yeah, this is embarrassing. This is not good enough. But it was kind of expected. And it felt familiar which is the worst part about this whole thing. We've lost 18 of our last 20 games as a program. Nothing that's ever been remotely close to happening in my life. 18 out of 20 games. This is Louisville. 10 years ago, we were getting ready to win a national title. The two years after that, we had a team that people thought could win a national title. Bottom fell out, and even when the bottom fell out, we were a two-seed in 2017, we were a preseason top 15 team the year after. We were an NCAA tournament team in 2019. We were the number one team in the country this time three years ago, about this time three years ago. The fact that it has gotten this bad is shocking. We thought, you know, being the first team left out of the NCAA tournament a couple of years ago was rock bottom. It was, it was so bad that Chris Mack was forced to redo his entire staff. He was forced to change his entire philosophy, his entire system. And then it got even worse. We didn't think it could get any worse than 13-19 and 19 last year. And now it's somehow worse, and it feels too normal. I'm not going to say it feels normal, but it feels too close to normal. This has got to change. I know I'm stating the obvious, but my God, we've got to start feeling things again. The emotions have to come back. Losses to Texas Tech on national TV with everybody watching at the Maui Invitational should hurt. Should be painful. It shouldn't be just the latest thing that's happening. And the sooner we get back to those games hurting, to having the pregame I mean, I, you know, we're getting ready to play Cincinnati at 7:30, and I'm excited about it because it's a chance to beat a rival and and you know, just seeing Louisville and UC on the same court together for the first time in eight and a half years is something that gets the juices flowing a little bit. But let's be real. 
if you're listening to this, you don't have the same pregame tingles that like we're used to having. You're, you're not counting down the minutes like you're used to doing. It's just something. You know, I'm not going to go so far as to say it feels like an obligation rather than a passion, but it's kind of bordering on it. I mean, the amount of people that were were texting me last night or t- during the afternoon or tweeting during the afternoon that they, you know, I never turn off a game, but I have to turn this one off. It's off the charts. We've got to get that back. And, and tonight, I mean, playing hard for a full 40 minutes and beating a hated rival will be a, a very solid jumping off point. Would love to see it happen. Arizona off to a 9-7 early lead here on Creighton, by the way, uh, again, on ESPN. Uh, we, we don't, we're not going to have a whole lot of time to talk football here, but a quick programming note, we will talk explicitly, specifically, football, almost all, specifically football. Friday, day after Thanksgiving, we will be on the air 3-6. to six. Trevor Kelsey will be back. We'll be on from the uh, the Oxmoor Ford that are out there in St. Matthews, getting ready for the Battle for the Governor's Cup on Saturday. I'm sure we'll be reacting a little bit to whatever happens today. We should also mention the women's basketball team. It's been a, a rough week any way you slice it. Uh, women's basketball team goes 1-2 and two in the Battle for Atlantis. They fall to number 12 in this week's AP Top 25 poll. Interestingly enough, their only win at Atlantis was against the highest-ranked team in the field. They beat number 3, Texas, in their second game in the loser's bracket after falling to Gonzaga and then got uh, kind of humbled by South Dakota State in their last game. So the Cards finished with a uh, sixth-place finish in the battle for Atlantis there. But they will bounce back. They had a, you know early-season losses. Jeff Walls, he always used them as teaching examples. I think we all have faith in Waltz's ability to get the most out of this team, and they will, they will steadily improve. We should also mention uh, Luke Guval Volleyball. Number four in the country. They are in action tonight. It's their regular season finale at Notre Dame. 6.30 is the start there. If they win, they assure themselves of at least a tie uh, for the regular season ACC championship. Uh, If Pitt loses and Louisville wins, Cards will win it outright. If Pitt wins, they both will have uh, one loss to the other. They will split their regular season series, and they'll get ready for the ACC tournament there. So good luck to Danny Buspum, Kelly, and company uh, tonight at 6.30. Football, I mean— Real quick, I can expand on this on Friday. And this is going to be my big take going into this game. It is the opportunity of all opportunities for Scott Satterfield. And I'm not just talking about contract extension, getting the most that he can out of the situation, getting to 8-4, and four, having a, the type of season that I don't think anybody can look at and say, well, it was, it was just whatever. Eight and four with this schedule, and especially from where it started with the 0-3 start in the ACC, is a good year. No way around it. Even the, the biggest setter for the tractor, I don't think can look at that and be like, well, it's not good. It will have been good. Louisville, by the way, has five wins over teams with winning records right now. It's the most of any team in the country. They're number 25 in the CFP rankings. We found that out tonight. It feels kind of like old times where Louisville's carrying a national ranking into a game against Kentucky, a 6-5 and five UK team that has fallen out of the polls. If Satterfield pulls this off at Kroger Field in Lexington after the last three just whoopings that UK has put on us, he kind of put, becomes the man. He becomes the man. The guy that everybody wanted to run out of town myself included, six weeks ago, the guy who was the, at the center of national reports saying if he loses to Virginia, he's fired midseason, he becomes the dude. He gets the extension. 
He brings in the highest-rated recruiting class in program history. He beats the arch-rival to put the final death nail in what was supposed to be their dream season. He gets to 8-4. and four. He plays in a solid bowl game, potentially the Sun Bowl, against the top 25 team from the Pac-12 on, uh, on December 30th. He becomes the guy in the athletic program. With the men's basketball program struggling the way it is, with women's basketball off to a little bit of a shaky start, and not being the spotlight program that football is, all of a sudden, Satterfield, he's got the juice. If he loses, I think there are people right now who are sitting here saying, obviously I want to beat UK, but I don't care what he does in that game. It's still a successful season to me if they go 7-5. and five. There is a portion of those same people who when they actually see Louisville lose to UK for a fourth straight time and a third straight time under Satterfield, will flip on that opinion. Who will be fall victim to the moment and say, he still can't beat UK. We still have so far to go. He feasted on bad ACC teams. He feasted on a weak non-conference schedule out of UK. He's still just an average coach, and this is always going to be an average program with him here. That will absolutely happen if he doesn't win the game on Saturday. Is that fair? Probably not. But it's going to happen. It's like when you hear a bad story, and you're like, ooh, man, that's, that's, that's rough. But when you actually see the video, and it horrifies you. It's the same thing. Talking about losing to UK and saying, well, 7-5, and five, it's what we wanted. He overachieved. 4-4 four and four in the ACC. Beat two ranked teams. Yeah, it would have been nice, but still a good year. But when you actually see it play out, especially if they just look physically dominant, the way that they had the last the last three times we've played. People are going to flip on that. I'm not saying that I won't flip on that. Because last year, Sat kind of had the juice. People were kind of back on board. People were enjoying it. And then UK ran all over you, and everything changed. The point is, again, if you want to look at the positive, this is the opportunity of all opportunities for Scott Satterfield. He wins the fan base over definitively. He gets a contract extension. He gets to point and laugh at Mark Stoops. And he has the type of season that everybody wanted to see him have go into this. Whew. The stakes are high. No way around it. We'll talk more about this on Friday during that show. Texas says Waltz uh, lost early in the season to Arizona. That still worked out. He did. And I think that was actually the first game of the year last year, if I'm not wrong. I remember watching it on TV and, and thinking they're going to be fine. And I think that they're going to be fine. They clearly have some glaring weaknesses right now that are more glaring than I think anybody thought they were going to be going into the season, but they can be fixed. He still has the tools necessary to be, I think, a Final Four team. Again, Texas says, I hate to say it, Mike, but what you're talking about right now is exactly why you don't hire Kenny Payne and you hire a Cronin or another proven head coach. This was way too risky a hire at a time when we needed to win ASAP. I mean... The conversation was had during the offseason. There's no point in revisiting it, I guess. I mean, he's our coach. Texas says, thinking of the blood pressure raising Big East games in the past compared to now, and I'm honestly more excited to watch the volleyball game tonight than the basketball game. I, I don't think you're alone in that sentiment. It sucks. We all know it sucks. And the fact that the biggest fear right now, it's not, it's honestly, it's not the present. We all knew this had a chance to go side to go sideways a little bit. Nobody thought it was going to be this bad. And if you again, if you if you're out there saying that you did, you're lying. Nobody thought that Louisville was going to be zero and five 
with three losses to terrible teams and two blowout losses in Maui. But the biggest reason for fear right now is what's not happening on the recruiting trail and what didn't happen in the transfer portal last year. Because all this fan base is looking for right now is hope. All we're looking for is some reason, something, something to latch on outside of just trust in KP. He knows what he's doing. We need some evidence, whether it's wins on the floor, improvement on the floor, or wins on the recruiting trail. We're not seeing it anywhere. Give like all we want is something to latch onto and say he's going to get it done. He's going to be the guy, and this is how I know. And the only evidence that we're being given is people saying, "Just trust him. He's the guy." God bless y'all. I wish I could be that trusting. Texas is a thirty million dollar game for Scott. Kind of feels like it, doesn't it? It kind of. I mean, he has a lot to gain in this game, and I'm not just talking about fan base love. There's a lot to gain financially in this game for sure. Texas says Kenny Payne is Louisville's version of Billy Gillespie. Yeah, we've been down that road. Texas said I wanted Muscleman when Mac was hired. The Muscleman thing, yeah, it hurt watching the way that his team played, not just against us on Monday, but last night, even in a loss against Creighton, because I think that's the style that we're longing for. And he's got kind of that demeanor on the sidelines where he's kind of the, the Patino demeanor. He's... You know, he's yelling all the time. He's always, he's up and down. He's, you know, he's ripping the shirt off after games. Like, I said this during the 2018 search, and I stand by it. Like, culture-wise, personality-wise, he's the perfect fit for the program. The fan base eats that stuff up. Like, when he's taking his shirt off and walking around the court when they win, they clinch the SEC title, when he did it at Nevada, when they clinched the Mountain West title. And this fan base loves that. They, they would eat that up. They, they would love his personality. His whole spiel about not playing Bellerman. Like, I watched their tape. I'm not playing that team. People love that. The way his style of play. It's perfect for Arkansas. It would be perfect for Louisville. The issue was you were going to have to overpay. You are going to have to outbid Arkansas by a million dollars a year. That was the buzz. And I think there were some other things that kind of put Josh Hurt off. But watching him play, watching his teams play the way that they have the last couple of nights, it certainly it hurts juxtaposing that with the way that we're playing right now. Texas says, we always say that we know good and bad basketball when we see it. I think most fans know the same for football. We can see that this team is better than last year, win or lose this weekend. That being said, beat UK. I agree. But again, watch what happens if we lose and we lose handily. It's so easy to say that right now. We were saying it last year. We were favored to win that game against UK on our home field. We lost by 31. And it became impossible to have that same upbeat, optimistic tone after watching what we watched. And, and the loss to Air Force a couple of weeks later didn't help it either. But I think we know how much better the defense is playing. We know I mean, the offense is, is certainly an issue. But Kentucky's offense is also an issue. We know that this should should, should, should go better than the last couple of years. But we also said that last year. I think that's all of our biggest fears right now. Texas says, every now and then I fall apart. I need you now tonight. I believe I need you more than ever. Yeah. Texas says, uh, your feelings right now about this uh, this game that's called apathy, Mike, and we've all got it. I, I'm not apathetic. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I don't have the same, like, pins and needles feelings that I would have if we were 5-0 and and ranked in the top 10 
and about to play in the Maui title game. Sure. But that's just normal. But I, I don't think I could ever be apathetic about Louisville basketball or Louisville football or any Louisville sport, to be quite frank. But it's definitely the emotions aren't as deep as they should be. And that's everybody. Texas is my two cents. Uh, Heard, I don't think, had much say in the hiring process. His first true basketball hire will be in a couple of years. I, I don't think that that's true. At the end of the day, it was Josh's decision. And I don't think that he can, you can't just say, well, some powerful people pressured him into making the move. If Josh wanted to hire somebody else, Josh could have hired somebody else. Would he have risked alienating a significant chunk of you know, his donor base? Maybe. But he could have done what he wanted to do. Texture says, oh, this is a, it's a KRC text. And you could tell because it started off with lots of positive signs here. I guess they're reacting in-game to the UK game. I was like, ooh, where's this going to go? We needed this. And then it was all about Oscar Sheepway. Texas Kevin Willard will beat Louisville by 50 if he can. And there's the real text that you get. That, that's the, you can tell the difference between the KRC text and the, car, the, the Mike Rutherford show text. Um, that's right there personified. Texas, I can never hear that song and not think about old school. You and me both. Texture says, who's your preferred starting five tonight against Cincy? I would take Cindy Curry out of the starting lineup. I don't think it's going to happen. I think he'll start the same starting five. I would go... I'd go Ellis James, Withers, Trainer Huntley Hatfield. There's just... I mean, I know we're all mad at the start. We're mad at everybody who's, who's playing because no, nobody's playing well. But there's just not a simple answer on the bench. It's not like the the 2018 year where you know you had Jordan Wara and every time he came in he would hit like three or four threes and then go right back onto the bench and then some games he wouldn't play at all and you're like why is this guy not getting more PT? There's nobody who's showing us significant you know, amounts of talent or even like that much potential when they come into the game off the bench. Kamari Lance played well against uh, against Arkansas on Monday night. Certainly on offense he played well. I don't think it warrants throwing him in the starting lineup or giving him 35 minutes a game. But I would like to see some sort of shakeup. Even if it is, like some people were saying, Fabio at the one or Hersey at the one, just try something different. What do you have to lose at this point? Worst start in the program in history? You're already there. Texas says, this sucks, but it will get better. Things are never bad as bad as they sometimes seem. Never give up hope. I'm not giving up hope. I think it's as bad as it seems right now. Texas says, every week since uh, since I've asked how much I should drink at the game, we've won. How much should I drink for the UK game? Three o'clock kickoff, holiday weekend. Assuming you're not just terribly hungover after Friday night, I'm saying it's a six to seven beer game to get ready. Six to seven. Start early. Doesn't have to be beer. Just drinks. Six to seven drinks. Texas, I don't care if Musselman does a few lines here and there. The man can win games. Yep. <laughs> That's, there you go. Texas says, instead, uh, Josh Hart alienated another portion of the donor base that went to Bellarmine. That, that happened. Texas, Bronny the Ville. Thank you. Uh, Texas, remember Chris Mack saying last year he never knew what he would get out of this group in practice last year? It looks like the same thing this year. Yeah, I mean, that was part of the problem that, that Kenny Payne was supposed to come in here and fix. I mean, it was, you, you talked about it. We didn't know who to blame last year. Was it Chris Mack for not getting through to the players? Was it the players for just not listening to the coaches? All we knew was that there were bad attitudes everywhere 
the players and the coaching staff did not mesh at all. They couldn't, you know, some games they came out and they played like a house of fire. Some of the games they came out and they played like it just did not matter to them whatsoever. I mean, you talk about Chris Mack saying he didn't know what he was going to get out of them every night, uh, every day at practice. We had no idea what we were going to get out of them from a game-to-game basis. And this year, it's been more stable, but in a bad way. We kind of know what we're going to get out of this team. They're going to come out, play pretty hard early on, play pretty hard for a little while after that, and then when adversity hits, they're going to kind of just fold a little bit. And then if, if they're close enough, they'll start playing hard again the last six, seven minutes and try to, to come back and win. But the attitudes have been consistently less than stellar. The basketball IQ has not really gotten any better. And the ability to fight through adversity has not really gotten any better. I'd kill for a random game where they just come out and they look like totally inspired. It was frustrating last year. But at least it happened every now and then. So far this year, we haven't seen it at all. Uh, Texas says, Papa John is sitting behind the Kentucky bench while we're sitting at 0-5. It's the reckoning that he predicted. I saw that. Papa John, it needs to be stated, though, was always playing both sides. People like th- There's this whole national thing, and it's a great joke because we took Papa John's name off the stadium and he immediately flips to UK, and now he's giving his money to the UK program, and he's sitting behind the bench at Rupp Arena. Papa John was going to UK games even when it was Papa John's Cardinal Stadium. He was sponsoring things at UK even when it was Papa John's Cardinal Stadium, and he was going to UFL games, and he had his own suite at both the, the Yum Center and his own stadium. Like That was always happening. He was always playing both sides. But now, yeah, he, he has completely flipped to the blue side, and I guess the day of reckoning did come. Who knows? I, I mean, whatever. Papa John's... Papa John's a loser. Um, Texas says, give me some hope for tonight. All right, best hope I can give you again tonight is this. Cincinnati's not very good. They're not. Doesn't mean they won't beat us. Doesn't mean they won't beat us handily. They are not a great defensive team. They are a good, not great offensive team. We've got a shot to do this tonight. Even if we don't, we're back Friday at 3 o'clock. we got Indiana basketball up next here on the Big X. Keep it locked right here. We'll talk to you guys on Friday. Have a fantastic Thanksgiving. Eat a lot of turkey. Go cards. Let's beat Cincinnati, baby. That tonight's gonna be.